0: Do you ever feel discouraged? That point in life where things just seem to be getting on top of you and you feel inadequate, hopeless, a failure. Particularly when it's spiritual discouragement we begin to feel that maybe God doesn't actually care about us at all or we're not much use to him or his kingdom. The problem with discouragement is not just that it lets us feel down and despondent, is it begins to affect how we live our lives. If we're discouraged spiritually we can't be bothered praying very often and we sometimes can't be bothered doing things or reading our Bible or really spending any time with God at all. Discouragement I think is a danger for us just now as a church, we can't meet together and the things that we want to do that give us a sense of who we are and just aren't there. And the months go on, and we can feel quite low. I'm just back from holiday, and it was a good holiday. But one of the things I, I experienced there was that the Sundays. Well, the first week we sort of watched a different church online, but by the second and third week, it was becoming harder. I, if I'm honest, I couldn't be bothered. I, and I imagine that for many of you who are doing church online. It's becoming more difficult as the weeks go on. It's easy to become quite discouraged and the danger for many of us at the moment is that we might just drift off, spiritually fall off the shelf. The book of Hebrews tells us chapter 10 verse 25, do not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing, but instead encourage one another more and more. Now at the moment that's really hard because we can't meet together, although hopefully in the next few weeks we'll be beginning to be able to do that in some ways. But that makes it all the more important that we find a way to encourage one another, to speak to one another, to phone one another, to be with one another in a way that begins to set that fire of the Spirit alight in us. You know, when you have a conversation with a Christian person and suddenly you begin to warm. Suddenly you begin to remember that God loves you and that he has a plan for you. That's encouragement. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, Paul talks about using the gift of encouragement. I wonder that as he wrote that, he had actually a particular person in mind. Barnabas. We're going to be thinking a little bit about Barnabas today because Barnabas was an encourager. And I wonder, as as we do that, to think about what encourages us and also how we might encourage each other. Barnabas is introduced in chapter four of the book of Acts. Here's what it says in chapter four, verse 36. Luke is describing the early church and all its sharing and its fellowship together. And then he adds this. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. If you wander around the churches of the world today, you'll find lots of churches called St. Peter's or St. Paul's or even St. Andrew's, St. Mark's, St. Matthew's, but you won't find many churches dedicated to St. Barnabas, which I think is a pity. Barnabas is a really important figure in the New Testament but he plays a backroom role. He's mentioned 25 times, he's the first missionary that is ever commissioned as we'll see in the book of Acts, and yet almost behind the scenes all the time. His real name was Joseph, he came from Cyprus, he was a Jew of the tribe of Levite. We don't know how he became a Christian in the first place, Quite possibly he came to Jerusalem as a Jew for the festival of Pentecost and there he heard Peter and the others preach the good news and he became a believer. But he got the nickname over the years from the disciples Barnabas which means we're told the son of encouragement. I just think that's a fantastic brilliant name to get. I wonder if We were known as something in the church what our nickname might be. The flower lady, the woman with the smile, the guy that does the sound desk, the tea person, lots of names that we might have that people might refer to as you know if they're referring to one of the four genes or one of the four helens or one of the four marys or whatever else that we have. Joseph got the name not Joseph the first missionary or Joseph the guy that's a good friend but the encourager. It spoke to a personality trait that he had that others recognised in him and that is so much to his credit and we'll see as we follow his story how important it was. Unfortunately sometimes the personality traits that we get known for in church aren't ones we'd want to have a nickname round us for. How do you think other people see you? A cynic? A wet blanket? A naysayer? A grumbler? A grump? An outspoken person? Often these things are the sort of personalities that people see in us. But Barnabas reminds us that when the Holy Spirit begins to mold and model a life it becomes very different. The son of encouragement, that's how he was seen. I want to challenge us, as we think about the story of Barnabas, to ask this. Who is it that encourages us in our faith and in our church life, in our belonging to Jesus? Who is it when we spend time with them, suddenly we feel just that God is good and he loves us? And equally this, how do we become encouragers to other people? For Barnabas, it began with selling a field. Now we're told in that chapter of Acts that lots of folk were giving gifts and that those gifts were being shared among the followers of Jesus so that there was no need among them. He was a man then who invested in the fellowship. He was willing to give up of himself his possessions that others might grow and belong and hear the good news. We take that vow, don't we, to give of our time and our talents and our money for the work of the church. But actually it's helpful to see that not so much for the work of the church as in the institution, but actually for the community, for each other, that we invest in one another, that we give sacrificially, not just of our money, but of our time and our listening and our words, that we might build each other up and we might become the church together. It might be a place where people feel that they are valued. They feel that other folk actually want to invest in them. Other people want to give sacrificially to them and see them flourish in that place. How do we become a place where all of us are encouraged to give of our best to God as we worship together? That's what encouragement is all about. We next encounter Barnabas in chapter 9 of the book of Acts and I'm going to read the passage to you from chapter 9 verses 26. This is just after Paul has become a Christian. Remember he was persecuting the Christians on the Damascus Road he becomes a Christian. Ananias comes to him calls him brother Saul and then we read this in chapter 9 verse 26. When Saul or Paul came to Jerusalem he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers heard of this, they took him to Caesarea, and sent him off to Tarsus. Amen. The story we know fairly well, Paul, the persecutor, trying to kill the Christians, meets Jesus. But you see, God doesn't just want to save Paul, or Saul, He wants to use him. He wants him to become part of the Christian church and to become actually the way that the church will grow and move forward as it reaches out to the Gentiles. Ananias is sent first of all to call him a brother and affirm him. But there's a problem. How is a man who was so far away from Jesus, so far away from the church that he was trying to kill them, how does he become part of the church? And God's way of doing that is to use the encourager. Barnabas he brings Paul we're told to the Apostles he doesn't just bring Paul he brings him and he says this man has got a story to tell about what God has done I've listened to it and you need to listen to it too one of the problems with churches is that they can be quite difficult places if you feel on the margins Sometimes they exclude people, sometimes that's deliberately, we shun people who don't seem to fit in and sometimes it's accidentally, negligently, we don't notice that someone is struggling and they're sort of pushed to the sidelines. Most of us will have experienced that ourselves at some time, we've maybe been in a a church meeting and there's a big crowd of people but we felt everyone seems to have their backs to us and we don't fit in right now. Actually, I've found as I've talked to people, it's almost a universal experience. But here's the encourager. He's someone who sees someone who is on the margins and brings them in to where God is at. The first thing Barnabas does is simply notice Saul, listen to him and then draw him in. And then he's willing to remind other people, even the apostles, the leaders, that this person should matter. This person should be heard. God is doing something in their lives. Is there a way that sometimes we can be a Barnabas here? There's somebody on the margins of things in the church, someone who's feeling excluded and we can be the one who perhaps listens to them, reminds others that they're valuable, that they matter as well. You see, if we're not a church that encourages people, we'll be a church that loses people. Saul could quite easily have got to the point of saying these believers don't want to know me and wandered off back into Damascus and just been forgotten to the pages of history. It took a Barnabas to let Saul become Paul and to fly, an encourager. So we have Barnabas that first of all invests in people, time, money, fields, and secondly seeks to include people, to involve them to let them matter and belong. Can we be like that? Can we be like Barnabas? We next pick up the story of Barnabas in chapter 11 of the book of Acts. I'm going to read from chapter 11 verse 19 and following if you want to follow this. Chapter 11 verses 19 and onwards. Now those that had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. But some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to spread the gospel to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God and what he had done, he was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. A little bit of background here. What we have to remember at this point is that all the Christians up to this point had been Jews. The disciples were all Jews. In Pentecost, it was all Jews that had gathered. The gospel had gone out from Jerusalem, but it had gone to Jews. And suddenly, the church in Jerusalem heard a report that up in Antioch, where some believers had gone, Greeks, that's Gentiles or pagans, were beginning to believe, to hear the good news and and respond to Jesus. And this was a brand new thing. I guess in Jerusalem, they didn't know what to make of it. It was gonna cause a lot of discussion over the next chapters as they tried to work out how God would call people that weren't part of his people. But what they did is they sent Barnabas to go up to Antioch and find out what was going on. Now maybe they sent him up there because he was from Cyprus and some of the folk that had gone up there were also from Cyprus. But I suspect they sent him up because he was an encourager. He was someone who would look for the best. He was someone who would look for what God was doing there. And we're told in verse 23 that when when Barnabas got up to Antioch, the first thing he did is he saw that people were becoming Christians, is he was glad. He just celebrated it and rejoiced in it. And the second thing he did was he encouraged, he encouraged the brothers and sisters to, to spread the news more and to grow in the faith because he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit. That's what encouragers do. The first thing is that they look and they see what God is doing and they just celebrate it. And the second thing is that they look for ways to encourage people to do even more, to rejoice and to grow even more. Today, as we look at churches, we're apt to see problems. We mustn't run away from them, the real difficulties that we face. But, you know, sometimes That's all we see. And we spend our whole time pointing out the difficulties, pointing out the things that we're getting wrong as the church, the things that we're not doing as the church. What is it to start to be an encourager? And I think it's to start by looking and seeing what is God doing? What are the good things that we can celebrate? As we look at our church at the moment, we could talk about all the problems. But we could also celebrate lots of positive things. The creativity by which we've managed to pivot round and put the church online. The way that people are delivering DVDs and we've got the gospel on the phone. The way that the Sunday school teachers have kept the Sunday school going. The big snake that they're creating in the church grounds. The ways that we found to communicate. The fact that we couldn't have a holiday club meeting in the church building. But a whole lot of folk with the inventiveness have created a new way of reaching out to children. I think we've got about 65 children at the moment involved in our online, offline, um, non-physical holiday club and that's fantastic. And we could go on with the groups that the session set up with the generosity, the treasurer will tell you, of people's giving just now. All the positive things that God is doing among us and as we look around the church across Scotland we can see that. A church which sometimes has been very slow to change anything has suddenly found an energy to find a new way to communicate And to reach out to people. How do we be a people who recognize what God is doing and then in our conversation not be a wet blanket or a grump but actually be people who begin to encourage folk, yeah that's all fantastic God is doing all that, what more could we do? How could we begin to solve some of the problems with that sort of energy and creativity as we move forward? How do we be a church at the centre of our community? We can do this because God is already at work among us. That is to be an encourager. But there's something else that Barnabas does at Antioch. You see one of the problems Is that these people who are becoming Christians, who aren't Jews, don't have the background that the Jewish people would have. They don't necessarily know the Old Testament, they don't know the Bible, they haven't really heard of this God before some of them. Now that could be seen as a problem but for Barnabas it's simply an opportunity to do something else and as he begins to think about that, he begins to think who could teach them? Then he remembers, that guy whose story he heard before, that guy who became a Christian on the Damascus road, that guy who God had moved in his life and he told the story of being called to preach the gospel, that chap was a Pharisee. He'd know his Bible, he was taught to be a teacher. And so he goes down to Tarsus and he pulls Paul out from wherever he is and whatever he's doing. And he says, we need you here, get involved. And so he brings Paul to Tarsus to teach the Bible. And they do that together for a whole year. There's another thing that an encourager does. Rather than see the problems, they see an opportunity. And they begin to involve people in doing those things together. Paul, I've got a job for you. It's not a matter of me saying now, well, I'd like you to be more involved and I'll I'll try to persuade the apostles to use you. But we need you. We can use you. You can bless us in this place. And so he brings us there. I think we need people today that are going to be able to do that in our church, that are going to be able to involve other people in the mission work that we've got who are going to be able to look at new people in the church or folk around the church and say, what do they bring? How can we use them? And how can they grow and be encouraged as they do that? It's easy for us to sit and give the jobs to the same people all the time or expect the minister to do it. But what would it be to say, who else can tell a story? Who else can preach a word? Who else can give a reading? Who else can sing a song? Who else has got a new idea about connecting with the community around us? But there's something more than even that. He involves, but he also allows Saul to fly. It's interesting, when they start off here, it says Barnabas and Saul began to teach. Barnabas was doing the job and he involved Saul. And as you look at chapter 11 at the end of it, and chapter 12 at the end of it, you'll see that same formula. Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Paul... The two of them were commissioned to do more mission work together. But then it begins to switch. Not Barnabas and Saul, but Saul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And then later on, as you follow the story, it would just be Paul. And of course, today, Paul's the one we've all heard of, not of Barnabas. But here's the thing about the encourager. The encourager is one who allows other people to take off. Other people to fly. It's not about me building folk up that they can help me, it's about me enabling other folk to do things and to grow and to be all that God wants them to be. Barnabas's anonymity to us today is part of his success. He was one that encouraged other people to grow and to be all that God had for them. How do we be and allow folk to be like that in our church today. Those that build up other people to fly. The last of our readings about Barnabas today comes from the end of chapter 15. If you look at this right at the end you'll notice in verse 35 it talks about Paul and Barnabas. See what I mean? Paul's come first by this stage. But let's pick up the story from verse 36 of the 15th chapter chapter 15 verse 36 these words sometime later Paul said to Barnabas let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing Barnabas wanted to take John who is also called Mark with him But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Sometimes when you read the book of Acts you can get the picture that it's a wonderful, fantastic church with no problems and then we think about our own problems, but here, yet again in the book of Acts, we find an issue. Two very important church leaders, Paul and Barnabas, and they fall out. They fall out so much that they have to separate and go off to do different works for the Lord. This isn't something that just happens in modern churches. It even happened in the early church, and we've seen other examples of this in Acts already. What do they fall out over? Well, essentially, they fall out over John Mark. John Mark was a young man who was helping them. We don't know the full story, but whatever happened, he turned back and went home, and Paul was really quite angry with him. And here is Barnabas saying, let's take him. Let's give him a second chance. Let's go on in mission with him. But Paul will have none of it. And so they part company. We don't know what it was all about, but here's the thing. Quite often in church conflict, we become people who are angry. Someone has let us down. Someone has treated us in a way that they shouldn't have. Someone hasn't played ball. And quite often we find that we get quite resentful about that. I so often find church leaders who work very, very hard in the church, but they've got this massive big chip on their shoulder about what other people aren't doing, how they are not pulling their weight, how they've let them down, how they said they would do something and now they're not doing it. And it becomes a source of contention. And so Paul wanted to write John Mark off, but Barnabas wasn't having any of it. He wanted to give him a second chance. Just the way he'd given Paul a second chance, the persecutor had been allowed to become an apostle. You see, there's a constant line in Barnabas. He's not someone who writes people off, he's someone who always wants to involve them, to see them grow. In this instance, I think Paul might well have been wrong And certainly we find later on in Paul's writings that he writes about Mark again, and that time very positively, as if perhaps Barnabas showed him a different way over time. When we are tempted to write people off, I think again we need to take something from Barnabas, the encourager, about what it's all about. Encouragers are always people who give second chances and third chances and fourth chances. What did Jesus say? Forgive 70 times 7, 490 times. Just keep forgiving because you need to understand that you have been forgiven. Barnabas, essentially a peacemaker, he wasn't going to have someone crushed and written off because sometimes even church leaders, as they go forward, are tempted to write some people off. They get ignored, they get pushed by the side. Barnabas was going to stand with John Mark and Barnabas was going to give John Mark that way to grow and fly just like Paul would grow and fly. It's so easy when there is church conflict to get hung up in our sense of being right. The principle The idea that they shouldn't have done that, they shouldn't behave like that. Other Christians shouldn't let us down like that. But at the heart of the gospel is a message of forgiveness. We pray it every single week. Forgive us our sins as we forgive each other. That's the hardest bit of the gospel but it's also the most significant for if we really do understand what God has done for us then forgiveness is the only way we can act. You will not be able to create a church where the things that shouldn't happen don't happen. There will always be problems and conflicts. The only way a Christian community holds together is to find that grace and that forgiveness continually. And so Barnabas, the encourager. Can we be more like Barnabas? Investing in each other, including each other, seeking out the gifts and the abilities that other people have, allowing them to fly and to belong, and then to be willing to treat them with grace when sometimes they crash and burn and let us down. I think our prayer for our church should be that it is a place of encouragement whether we can meet together or not meet together where we're committed to being that type of people so I'll ask you today to do two things think about the people that encourage you give God thanks for them maybe if you need encouragement give them a phone and then ask yourself Who is God putting before you that you might encourage to grow, to belong, to fly, to use? Look for what God is doing in our church and let that encourage you as well. May we pray and be the people like Barnabas was. And if we're going to start by investing in people, perhaps we might begin simply by praying for them. If you're an elder today, can I invite you to pray for those in your district? Not just for their needs, but they just might be encouraged in the Lord. If you're a Sunday school teacher or a youth leader, pray for the young people in your care. If you're sitting wishing you were in church this morning, think about the people that sit around you when you are in church and just pray for them just now, that wherever they are, they might have a great sense of God's love for them and God's plan for them. Pray for our leaders, our elders, those that make decisions for us, that they might know God's encouragement at this time. Pray for the whole church. And may God bless us and build us up. Amen.